Greetings, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Mount Rush 4. We are going to be discussing those people that love being bad on the silver screen. That's right. We're going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of movie villains. Who stands out as the ultimate bad guys in film? If you like this topic, stick around. If you don't like it, stick around. You might learn to like it. Because here we go with the Mount Rushmore of movie villains. games work in this world i know how games work oh god <laughs> hello thank you again for listening to mount rush for i'm your host david a smith we have a humdinger of an episode for you this week like i said at the top of the program we are going to be discussing the mount rushmore of movie villains those who are the baddest of the bad on the silver screen uh let me introduce the panel for this week to my right as always is my co-host daniel wagner hello thank you guys i am back without a stomach bug excellent excellent oh i don't think we'll ever we're vomit vomit free for seven days now so we're hoping that everything's going to be good for let's tonight. cross our fingers and knock on wood sitting next to daniel the one and only tj rip how's it going guys um though he may not be have a, a be vomiting tonight but i'm a little flatulent so we got to watch out for that oh it's always something gastro around these places you know. <laughs> Never, never a dull moment with this crowd. And our special guest tonight <laughs> is noted author and DJ extraordinaire, Mr. Brian Oliu. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? You're doing good. Excellent. Hey, good. Matt, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm eating chicken. Right. That is a positive reaction if i've ever heard one matt i've noticed you're, you were earlier drinking one of the uh third shift miller beers could you quickly give me a uh, breakdown of your feelings on this new craft beer by miller it's a decent domestic amber lager that sounds about right that, go with yeah, that a, so you're saying yeah. it's just solely in the middle it's yeah i mean i've had it once and i've had it twice so so you're saying i might no, have it a third shift time uh, <laughs> oh, wow. we've worked through the yeah. first two shifts. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere a PA for Miller is hopefully listening to this podcast and is just going to steal that. For Listen, and there's a motherfucking PA from Miller over here. They should know that we also in this room have a float of a Miller Lite bottle that can be used in a pool, and we like money and Exactly. Beer. American yeah. monies. I will drink your shit union beer all day. And I'm drinking High Life, so does that count? That counts. Is that, 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 now, is High Life first shift beer? I'm drinking... No. The morning shift makes the high life. Uh, that's the um, that's swing shift beer. That's the people that can't quite figure out if they want to be a morning or night person. They're like, I work from 3 to 11. I, like, I don't like to wake up in the morning, but I like to keep my party going after I get off. So That makes sense. All right. Before this just descends into a discussion of the working class, um, let's, let's discuss our topic for this episode episode it is the mount rushmore of movie villains before we get to our list um just kind of want to go around the panel and get everybody give their thoughts on what makes a good memorable movie villain is it are they pure evil are they creatures of circumstance that makes them bad um how does redemption play in the fact what does everybody think i to me a good villain is someone that you it's not necessarily just loathe but is calculated to the point that you start to feel that your heroes will not get over them. We all know that in almost all movies, the hero wins in the end. It's the way you do things. And a good villain that sits there and the entire time I keep thinking like you're one step ahead of my hero. My hero is not smart enough to beat you. That's a good villain. Makes me mad, but at the same time, love being mad at him. Yeah, and I, I think um, the I read a good article about uh, villains, comic book villains specifically, but like Magneto was brought up as, as they can't just be pure evil for evil's sake. It has yeah. to be, they have to believe in what they're doing to the point where like you would you would never, that'd be cartoonish if you, a villain was like, yeah, of course, I'm just an evil asshole, but they have to think, believe that what they're doing is right and you know as much as the hero does a lot of them do have that I mean, twisted moral code that they live yeah. by to try to justify their actions right and i think there's also that that coldness to it right that they they believe in something so much that they will not deviate uh for any particular reason i really like the idea of villains just being evil for the sake of being like why do you do these things <laughs> uh-huh yeah. Bored. I mean, those exist. I mean, there are really some the like Joker? That. Like the I mean, Joker's evil for evil's sake? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, but I he's not really a dick about it. He's just right out, <laughs> out there. I mean, uh, he admits it, but he's like... 
that's how I that's how I'm gonna roll. Yeah, but that's also like the equivalent is like, hey man, I'm an asshole. This is just who I am. Deal with it. At least I'm real. It's like yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I use that on a daily basis. My logic behind everything I do, like whatever, I keep it. I keep it real. Keep when keeping and it real, real goes wrong. Shitty. I, I think another real key is you have to have a strong hero. Like a, it's it's you know yeah. it's yin and yang. You have to have you have to have a hero that's memorable or for a memorable villain. Um, and so that was like pretty crucial for me, which is why mm. in my list, I, I looked at uh, a lot of online ones and they had a lot of like horror movie villains and stuff like, you know, your Freddy's and Jason's and all that. And yeah. they may be on the list, but, but they weren't uh, necessarily on mine because yeah. those guys were just, uh, they're, uh, they're not necessarily, there's no uh, hero to fight. It's just like, they're just, you know, evil dicks in these dick horror for movies. being a dick. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and in the horror movies, you don't necessarily want the quote unquote good guys to win yeah you're there to right, see you're here, by, you're the, by the end the of it you're maybe like, you don't that's why I don't watch horror movies because I'm sorry but I don't want to watch someone like those Saw movies like everyone's like oh they're so scary that ain't scary the dude didn't do his taxes one year and now you're going to take all of his fingers off and his eyeball that's fucked up he just didn't do his taxes like by the end of those Saw movies it's the most retarded things like you jaywalked one time in 1987 well, well the IRS no it'll take your legs unless you cross this road like well the IRS you are held the IRS always says there will be penalties if you don't pay so that's true gotta get that yeah. out Jigsaw. there yeah but audit me ass Jigsaw. I take my ability to create. <laughs> All right. I can't get a job without hands. Those, those are some good, good suggestions, good input before we get to our list. But let's go ahead and uh, see who's uh, made the Mount Rushmore of movie villains. We'll start with our fourth spot. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean the lowest one on the totem pole. We just got to start somewhere. And we're starting with number four and working our way to number one. Mine kind of fits into a lot of the categories that we just mentioned. You have to have a strong hero to as a foil. He has to believe in what he does. He's also considered one of the best science fiction villains of all time. Mine is the one and only Khan Noonien Singh from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. His motivation is pure vengeance. He does not care. He wants Admiral James T. Kirk dead. And because Kirk is such a hero, hero but also an asshole, it makes what Khan does to him that much better because he doesn't kill Kirk. He fights to his last dying breath, but in the end, his actions kill Kirk's best friend. Yeah. And that's what makes Khan a really memorable villain, in my opinion. Nobody's going to give us a Khan screen? Oh, I will. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it. See, I'm, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it at some post, point yeah. tonight. Yeah. I don't I'm not going to tell you when, but I was Khan about will to, be post, will post be production. Yelled. Post okay. production. I I I mean, um, that's that's not bad. I I'm not a Star Trek person. I'll I'll be the first to admit that I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't. I don't flirt with that other guy. See, I I, I swing both ways. Whoa. ACDC. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. But the thing about Khan is he's a he's an appreciated villain, even if you're not a Star Trek fan. Uh, pe that people that don't necessarily like the series can sit and watch the film and understand why this guy's pissed off. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a victim of circumstance, really. I mean, uh, what happened? They they were in cryogenic for they were frozen. Well, he was uh, he was he was a kind of a douchebag overlord of the Earth before he got put into cryo freeze yeah. in the Star Trek episode. Kirk thaws him out. He tries to kill the Enterprise and Kirk exiles him, and then some shit happens yeah. to the planet, and he just gets pissed Wait, off. Wait, so you're telling me they gave Kirk the power of exile by the end of the in these oh, movies? They were, they yeah, were this a, was a, this was in the original series. Yeah. The, oh. The, how they got to the um, con is when they were doing the Star Trek sequel to the original motion picture. The writer and the director went through all the original episodes to find a plot line, and they found this episode you know, where Kirk, Ricardo sends, Montalban, step Ricardo up. Montalban. <laughs> plays con they send him into exile and they're thinking wait a minute this guy's been exiled for like 17 years he's got to be festering with hatred of kirk and that's how they develop the plot so so you're telling me that i came really close to getting a entire star trek movie where basically they just he just runs around with space chicks and may or may not fuck them like i came really close with that their whole logic it was like we've got this we got these two ideas we got con like that's pretty solid. We can go with that. Well, let's let's spitball some others. Uh, we got this guy that looks like a green dinosaur. Like, yeah, that's pretty fucking scary. We should probably uh, go I'm more on there. Board. I'm on the and, and then we got um, uh, we Montemont. got a bunch of chicks <laughs> that run around in scantily clad uniform. They're aliens. They don't know any give, better. Give me a thirty page treatment. Get yeah, let's right, get right there. Solid ideas. Let's go with it. Star All right, TJ, will never let, die. I mean, let, Daniel, let's hear your four spot. My here. number four 
is a character that a lot of people probably won't know or remember, but he represents the core of a trope of the 1980s, and it is Tommy from the movie Valley Girl. Now, Tommy is the epitome of douche prep 80s villain. He has the money. He gets the chicks. He bangs Valley Girl's best friend in the opening of the movie when she's like, are we going steady? He's like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Like, he literally looked at her and was like, are you fucking crazy? I just banged you at a party, whore. Like, everyone knew you're easy. You're wearing a jumpsuit and you have a Pat Benatar haircut. We knew we could bang you. <laughs> and like, Tommy does everything in his power to get Valley Girl back. And no matter what Randy's Nicolas Cage character can do, it's always like, well, he's just a weird guy he's not from the valley it made me understand the valley and think that maybe i should have been in the valley as much west hollywood as i want to be let's be real i'm more of a valley kind of guy tommy is the, the popped collar on the polo the bravado <laughs> at the end when he shows up for the prom pictures and i think he's wearing a cut off fucking tux like he's just such a douchebag villain and I know you're you including him because he's kind of like the start of it. But I would I would kind of argue that James Spader's character in Pretty in Pink is e- an even bigger douchebag. No, because Spader's has moments where you're like, okay, I kind of get where you're going at. Because it's the same way you could say that Spader's character in Less Than Zero. Spader just only plays assholes. They right. should be known too. But, the guy who played Tommy would reoccur again playing the asshole stage dad in the movie Magnolia. So he kind of oh. typecast himself and then 20 years later shows back up playing the same role wow. as douchey You're stage right. buddy, yeah. funny right. thing about James Spader and Pretty in Pink he was basically the only one on that cast that was nice to Ducky off camera he was also the only one who knew who the psychedelic furs were at the time of taping. He's like, oh, <laughs> the furs, man, they're my friends. Like, fuck you Spader, you don't know anybody. <laughs> Come on Spader. Come on Spader. <laughs> Alright TJ, let's hear your fourth spot uh my fourth spot is going to uh i kind of touched on all this earlier um it's probably i think one of the best villains of all time it's the t-1000 from Mm. terminator 2 judgment day for a number of reasons one it's it's so tough to like go up against arnold and to arnold at his prime and actually believe like this guy might kick arnold's ass and robert patrick's not a big dude but because of like all the you know the shit that he had like with the liquid metal and the sores coming out of his eyes and all that stuff it's it's you believe like this guy could fuck up arnold and and so that was a a pretty key moment plus like um it it was uh that time that was uh what 92 i think 91 i believe yeah 91 and that was like the birth of of like you know cg effects basically that still looks good still looks good that movie holds up to the yeah to this day and it's just so sinister with the you know it's so dangerous too i mean he can imitate anybody he can throw his voice and he's got you know blades coming off of every part of him it's it's such a crazy fucking villain and i I think he stands up pretty well his face doesn't move exactly he says very little in that film and it's just that cold calculating movement and he's wearing and the fact that he's in a police officer's outfit yeah yeah that adds to and it's one of like the best death scenes ever with the you know his body's all exploded up and he's got his head you know coming out of his ass it looks it looks amazing oh there's moments where you're like yeah i got him and then like yeah, yeah there, there's so splinters many splinters off, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah and then he's like, oh, and then he reforms. And then, plus, uh. it gives you so many cool things you can do with them. I mean, like you know how he has his when he goes after them when they're running away from the uh, they're ch- running out, he's running after them in the car and uh, part of his arm is still on the car and like you know Edward Furlong kicks it off and then it joins him again or or like the it was the a kni- piece of his hook. Okay, yeah. it wasn't a piece of his arm. It was a piece. Well, of his, his hook, hook his that was off of his arm. Weapons. Um, also, like the the nitrous truck that was such a cool scene. That's like a cool death scene you could only do with like. Like that liquid metal character Which wasn't his death scene yeah but they thought it was though yeah I, but okay you're saying that it's like oh we can stand toe-to-toe with with arnold and in his prime we know that it's a t-800 versus a t-1000 yeah he says it early on that i'm an outdated dinosaur you're exactly. telling me of course he should he's a fucking better model but i'm saying it's tough to do like it's from a damn a- shame that he didn't just end arnold quicker and you could say that arnold like oh but arnold beats him because i'm pretty sure that fucking thing kind of kicks Arnold's ass which makes Arnold wasn't in good shape by the end of it I could maybe say it's a draw yeah but I mean it's somewhere the T-900 is like that's what about me 
it's T900 yeah, so, is like yeah, what's, what's, what happened to that model he's like, the, he's like those do? weird no Apple kidding, computers yeah. like before they reverted yeah. there and it's like oh, it's like the Macintosh it's like, 2 it's like yeah. no one has a Macintosh 2 <laughs> right. what is so, that I like it's a flying version of something it just didn't work <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I think as far as iconic villains go you, you really can't you can't beat that that's, that's a, a good, good one. one Brian who do you have for your fourth spot uh, my fourth fourth spot uh, in my head actually they'll drive over I switched it so number four uh, is Scar from the Lion King Ah, very nice Scar from the Lion King um, just an absolute devious, evil character. Um, he, you know, he convinces um, Simba that he killed his own father. You know, when actually he was the one who did it. Uh, he pretty much just takes over the land. He uses the hyenas to do his bidding, uh, and then he just absolutely destroys the entire kingdom just to be in charge of it. And Jeremy Irons is such a and badass. Jeremy Irons is such a badass. Also, um, he hits a woman. He hits the woman, uh, and that was like a really shocking moment. You know, you're not used to seeing women get hit in films, especially, especially like a Disney, Disney film. But it hits, you know, the the. Um, Oh, I can't remember her name, but Nala? You know, the wife, Nala, the wife, uh, hits her. Uh, but he's a guy who, like I said, is just believed that it is his right to be king. Um, he's completely devious and slimy, and Jeremy Irons is absolutely perfect. But he's it. also complicated because there are scenes in the beginning of that where it seems like you know he actually gets along with Simba and like yeah. you know loves Simba to some degree. But it, it's, it's once once family. he gets once he yeah. gets in his way of becoming king, then he's right. like, all right, now a, we got to take it's it. It's an absolute right. power corruption. It's an, yeah, it certainly is. It certainly. But is. if we don't have Scar, we don't have Hakuna fucking Matata. If we don't exile Simba, he doesn't meet Timon and Pumbaa, right. and we have a great buddy scene of him growing up. Right. It's, it's really a building's Roman is what it is. I think Scar's more of a, it's a sacrifice to benefit the all for the movie, because if he doesn't go off, then we're going to have Simba getting fat, fucking all the lionesses the whole time, like a real lion. Like just, well, Simba wouldn't been a bitch his entire well, I mean, life. That's, that's an interesting thing about the villainy, too, is a good villain uh, improves the hero, right? This idea that we have the training montage. Um, yeah. Or like the going off to learning how to be a man. Like Simba goes off to learn how to grow up and learn the value of friendship, and also to learn how to like fight. Um, and I think that's that's kind of what also a good villain does. It motivates, uh, oftentimes the um, you know the the protagonist to doing something. And I ain't got Scar shit was, that was good shit. Scar was going to be on my list, so that's that's a good pick. And, nice. w- and without Scar, we don't have the Kuna Matata, and we don't also don't have the uh, shirt I saw in a sorority girl the other night that said Hakuna more vodka. Nice. So, oh, nice. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah that's I never classic. put that together. Now I'm really mad. I didn't think of it myself. Oh, that's okay. Hakuna more vodka is a, what a wonderful <laughs> phrase. Hakuna more vodka. All right, put so. it down in my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's my philosophy <laughs> for sorority last week here. Hakuna so that more vodka. <laughs> Dad Daniel will give us the extended cut of that song later. But that's those were our four spots. Wait, Mine was con. There we um. go. Daniel had Tommy from Valley Girl. Tommy! TJ had the T-1000. I'm not going to scream that. And Brian had Scar from the Lion King. So good, good list off off from the start. Going to our third spots, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm going off with the one that is totally unlikable, even though he was in a comedy, one of the best comedies of all time. Uh, He was a thinly veiled satire of the Nixon administration at the time. He enjoyed being a hard ass, disregard for the rules, even though he lived by them. Just an over-the-top heavy that, and this actor uh, went on to play a lot of roles like this guy. Mine is Dean Vernon Warmer from Animal House. When you saw this guy, you just knew he was going to be bad news for the Deltas. He enjoyed being a douchebag. Um, And he set the stage for a lot of the other just stereotypical evil authority figures in these college t- and type of comedies or whatnot, but he was a classic. Uh, he played it with that gusto to the role that just made him unlikable. There's one really good thing about him is in a lot of villains that are, are going to be on this list, you want them to go down exactly. really hard, yeah. and that was that's, one that you just wanted too. to see him go down. And Man, all really- he wanted to do was get their fucking GPAs up. <laughs> like I'm sorry, D Day. You've been here for 15 years. Let's get a class completed. Well, you got two credit hours. Well, you got. How do you get two credit hours? You took two PE classes. All right. Can you get a GPA? Can you guys do a philanthropy one time? I disagree with that because if he's there for 15 years, that's 15 years of tuition. The dude's paid. That's true. Yeah, but 15 years of having that mark when you kind of send the guys through like the the fraternity rush thing right there, and it's like. 
who's the old dude in the motorcycle guy? And he's like, oh, it's D-Day. And he's been here since D-Day. Like, oh, oh. Look, I'm telling you, the, the, you notice there weren't a lot of girls running around the Delta house. They didn't have no trim running around that place compared to the other houses. And Did the reason why, D-Day, not doing philanthropies. That's true. They're not, none of the girls are wanting to mix with them. Their GPAs are hell. They're just sitting around being drunks. How the hell did Otter and, and uh, the couple <laughs> of the other ones that were good guys end up in that shithole? Like, those guys seem like they would be prime Sigma Chi kind of guys. And they got stuck in with the Deltas, where they just lost out on some, like, something. One of them has, a, like, a goat fucking story or something in their past that they found out later and was like, well, you're not really quite the material. Why? I hear that... He might have black blood in him. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Go be a Delta. Go be a Delta right now. Oh, we can't have that. We're going to keep this place right. Nice. Wow, we just we just took a turn there. Um, but, yeah. Hey, that's the kind of stuff that gets you kicked out of fraternities. I'm just going to tell you from experiences I'm, of I'm, that I like the idea that, that girls like guys with good GPAs. I like, yeah. I like, yeah, I think yeah. I like that. Look, concept. she's in college. Look, well, she's one to look. She wants to bang the party dude when she's a freshman and sophomore. By junior and senior year, she's looking to get that mate. That and MRS. it becomes like, hey, this dude's mm. got a good GPA and is going to get a job at this law firm. Might want to go and sit up with that. But or I, and be like, I teach, this is, that's going to be my main motivation for my like American Lit 2 class. Though we are yeah. getting severely yeah, off topic. We are, we Dean, are. Of, yeah, Dean Wormer as a villain. Dean Wormer uh, is, is my third choice. But seriously, like a girl, that when she gets to a certain part, she has nothing to do with the Deltas. <laughs> She's like, yeah, they're fun to get fucked up with, but shit, they don't go to class. I don't know what they're what gonna I do. Think, They've got a guy that's been in school for twenty seven years. Like, what's he gonna do? What I think is interesting about the dean is that as a result of that <laughs> character, I think anyone who goes to college expects the dean to be Dean Vern. Like, oh, expects Simpsons him to, did a hilarious episode right. where Homer goes to college and the dean is just a cool, laid back guy, yeah, and great. Homer dean. just hates him <laughs> right. because all his knowledge is is from college movies. Exactly, exactly, and that was the beginning of that too so daniel who's your third spot my third spot goes to the one and only emperor palpatine of star wars now a lot of people would probably put darth vader but darth vader is a weapon <clears throat> let's just sure. be real he's nothing more than a pawn that the emperor does the emperor is actually the real evil motherfucker the whole thing i mean he ends the senate he tricks everyone into exiling what's left of the jedis and, and killing the jedis um, oh, for some child murder? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Set up that shit. The son of a bitch built not one, but two Death Stars to prove a point. Blew he up a planet. Blew up a planet and shoots lightning out of his hands. You know, like everything about <laughs> him is so evil and just so Sith. Whereas with Darth Vader, it's always like, well, I mean, he means well. Like, you, I've never felt like, oh, Darth Vader, he's scary, big mask. I always thought like, yeah, but... You're, you're way off base here. How? Um, because, look, Darth Vader's least a complicated character. You know, he's fighting his son, basically. Emperor Palpatine is just an evil fucking space wizard. It's boring. Plus, he's, he's a... What's boring about an evil space wizard? Right. Look at what you just said and break down how that's boring. <laughs> I would love to be an evil space wizard. That sounds great. It's an evil David space wizard. David of Ultra... Pulsar 5 Galactus. But, but God, I fair, can't make that shit up but, off the top of my head. But to be fair, um, the, the, the Emperor is really only featured in the original trilogy, primarily in Return of the Jedi, which is probably the weakest of those three. What? And it's prominently featured in the prequels, which are just horrible, flaming turds of films. Yeah, because refuse... he was off running a fucking galaxy, bro. He couldn't sit around and hold Darth Vader's hand all the time. Eventually, you got to let the kid go do some work. But Eventually, I, you got to say, like, hey, buddy, I know I run around and hold your hand a lot, but I need you to answer a call once or twice. Well, why don't you I, go do that? i got to figure out how we're going to pay for two fucking Death Stars. I will say. Because your <laughs> bitch son, your little farmer boy, went and blew my other rig up, destroyed my hood. Okay. Hey, Darth, do you okay. want to act like that's your kind of situation? But this was my place. You brought, <laughs> how dare you? I'm cutting in, Daniel. You brought you brought up blowing his, up his hood. The Darth Vader discussion always ends with the classic rant from Chasing Amy. Oh, yeah. The racial aspects of Star Wars. Because deep down, we all wants to be white. But isn't that true? <laughs> and, and it sets up about how they just completely killed Vader's mystique as a villain in the end. But see, I never, in yeah, any of the times of seeing Vader, he's he's more of a sad, like, look, he's going through the motions. This is what he is. I don't even know if he fucking believes in the shit by that point. He's like a he's like a guy that was a Southern Baptist for the majority of his life, and then randomly, he's like, I still go to church, but I don't know if I really kind of believe a lot of this crap. He force chokes a dude. That's awesome. Fucking, <laughs> you're telling me right there, Emperor Palpatine is Baptist. the damn head of the whole thing. 
Like he's the Jerry Falwell. Like that dude is evil and evil for the sake of being evil. You're telling me, like I think Vader would let gay marriage in the galaxy slide. Emperor? Hell no. <laughs> Hell fucking no. <laughs> I think Vader eventually would soften up and be like, you know, let all oh, bygones be bygones. Oh, everyone the right that's to be happy. two Ewok dudes <laughs> love each other. Let them get married. That's, yeah. the, that's the metaphor that just sold it Who am I to actually. hell? We can't tell when a Wookiee's a female anyways. So who's really to know? Like all That's right. that's uh, right there. That dude's evil. Let's move along. TJ, who's your... Let's see what TJ counters with. Come on. Uh, my number three spot is... Uh, it's kind of um, a little weird because we're going by movie villains, and so you can go... Uh, I'm picking a character, basically. It's been played by two different actors very well. I see where this is going. This yeah. is Here we go. the Joker from the Batman yeah. movies, played by Jack Nicholson Call and Heath shot. Ledger, um, both of which really owned the movies they were in. Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson uh, made... The, the first Joker just it was hilarious he, it was like a, a bit of a send off to who is who played the Joker in the Batman Caesar series Romero. Caesar Romero yeah exactly it was a bit of that a touch of that but um, he was funny and it was it was Jack probably his best and then I think more a more powerful performance was Heath Ledger I mean he, he almost got nominated for an Oscar for that no, performance no, he, he won, won an, an Oscar, Oscar for that <laughs> yeah Wait, he won that? Yeah, because yeah. he died. Uh, yeah, so much, but he, he won. Didn't. I, I thought he didn't. I thought he didn't win that. Nope, best supporting no, actor. He won best yeah. supporting. Oh well, yeah. well there you go. That that proves my point still. Um, and I thought that performance was just fucking great. And it's, it's two villains in, the, in those movies that really drove, uh, really drove those films, and, and were, were the reason you kind of saw this. So. Uh, here, yeah. here's my thing about the Joker. He is literally my favorite comic book character, in terms of motion picture villain. It gets kind of diluted because you had the two different people playing him, and there's two incredibly different interpretations of the Joker. And Jack, not just and not just two. With me, you've got Jack, you've got Romero, you have Heath Ledger, you've got Mark Hamill's animated Mark version Hamill, of it, yeah. which is to me the more seminal version of the Joker. But in yeah. terms of on-screen, like major motion picture release, I, Jack Nicholson's is way over the top. Heath Ledger plays it like a complete psycho. Yeah, that he was just basically a street guy that put on some makeup and green hair and never took a bath yeah and so and, it's two but, different interpretations but, of the but character. really iconic makeup and just i mean dark knight returns is is the best of the of the batman series i would say oh and, by far and, oh, yeah. and he he makes that film so i think um i think he belongs up on the mount rushmore of, of villains but but it's all right so yeah it's a movie villain but let's just be honest with there he's a comic book villain so but it's but he's a comic book villain but comic book movies are like the biggest movies that we put out that's now that's true but he's a comic villain. So your point? My, my point is is that it just that it just doesn't work for me. I wouldn't put the Joker on there. Now, if we were doing greatest comic book villains, I'd throw him on there. But as a movie villain, there's a lot of other those, better movies. Those Batman villains. movies are like some of the highest grossing films of all time. The, those are... Oh, so, those money, are, so money make you come. That's the only way to make any... That's the only way to make a thing <laughs> in this world. So it made money, so that means it's I'm good. saying we're, we're taking these films on their own. Fucking Titanic made a gajillion dollars. Is that what... Uh, but not, Billy Zane I'm not is putting considered Billy, the best Billy villain Zane. of all time. Well, the shadow knows. <laughs> yeah, the shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I see what Daniel's saying. I'm a huge Joker fan as well. But in terms of like mute movie villains or whatnot, the, it is up for debate. But Brian, who is your third spot? My third spot uh, goes to a movie villain that actually legitimately made me scared and uneven as you know, you know, even as an adult. And that's uh, Anton Chigurh. Yeah. Um, so from No Country for Old Men, um, you know, first and foremost, Cormac McCarthy novel, absolutely horrifying. And actually, you know, if you've read McCarthy, he has a character called the Judge in Blood Meridian, who's equally as terrifying. Um, but just the um, that film, just the idea of his, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but the the concept of a moral code, um, and he has one, but you're not entirely sure of what it is. Um, I pretty much anyone he comes across. Uh, at any particular moment in that film, he winds up killing, um, with the exception of like a couple people. One person they decide to like flip it over. They flip the coin, um, and so um, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty fascinating villain. Uh, he has that horrifying like cattle bolt thing weapon. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. That's just absolutely horrid. Um, and he's just you know, and he's a, he's a guy who um, 
you know, just it seems unstoppable. He's that unstoppable the, evil. One of the best scenes is, is when he's in that gas station and he's like, as a coin flip. Call ever, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and like, I'm, and you're just so afraid. Like, he just, this guy didn't do anything. He's going to murder him for no good reason. <laughs> like, he's reason. the only one that he allows to live. Yeah. That he comes yeah. across in right. a significant fashion. Yeah, he has one, and then the kid, he. He buys he buys the bike he buys the shirt from the kid at the end but there's that moment where he's thinking about it though he thinks about it and that and that's horrifying right (laughs) because you're there and you're like oh my god he's gonna kill that kid and he doesn't because the great thing of course is the scene where he's with the wife and and she said he says call and says it doesn't matter and the the next scene of him is just wiping you know his his, the blood off his shoes um just that schoolboy that's page schoolboy haircut um And just uh, you know the I've dead got, eyes. Got a yeah, funny I mean, story about the haircut coming up here. In a yeah, I mean oh, uh, nice. Javier Bardem. It will forever be known to me as Anton Sugar, basically. Oh yeah. yeah Selections. I had Dean Wormer from Animal House. Daniel had Emperor Palpatine from the Star Wars series. TJ had the Joker, and Brian had Anton Chigurh. Uh Thankfully, that brings us to our second spot because my second selection is Anton Chigurh as well. Uh, Brian touched on a lot of the reasons why I included him, namely he's pure evil and a bad haircut. The coin flip. For the life and death choices, but the fact that the choice has already been made, he's just kind of going through a formality somewhat. The low voice, the badass weapons, the fact that he's like a horror movie character and that he's a force of nature that just keeps coming, mm-hmm. a force of evil, um, but he's just worse than that. It's kind of the personification of evil. And one of the worst things about it too, like he never he never pays for anything that he does. He he's just like this evil yeah. force that runs through the entire movie and then he's never brought to justice. I mean the yeah. it's yeah, it's just like you don't get any payoff. Yeah, he that. appears and disappears, and that's kind yep. of adds to the force of nature aspect that is this guy really exists. I mean, some I mean, when you want to go into kind of a deep discussion of the film, but yeah, he's just a horribly bad villain that they have to go up against. Yeah. I uh, I saw that movie uh, in Tuscaloosa. This was the second time I had seen it. I saw it early because I really wanted to see it because uh, I love Cormac McCarthy. Um, and then I think it was after it got some Oscar hype. I don't know if it had won it by yet, but they released it uh, in the theater. And it was it was more crowded when I saw it, you know, what was it, four weeks later than it was when I saw it the first week. Um, and the movie ends. And first and foremost, the Coen brothers are the only people who could ever get away with ending a movie. And then I woke up. Like that is an awful last line for anything, uh, but they got away with it. Um, and a movie ends in the back. I just hear a girl go, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, well, what do you want? Like, Tommy Lee Jones to like strap on like Jamie? You know? Jamie, are they going? Is there going to be scenes after the credit or something? Seriously, is this yeah. the ending the way? It's right? Going? Yeah. I love the line. Is it? Are you serious? Are you serious? Oh my uh, god! <laughs> inter- interesting note about Shigur's haircut. He was shown pictures of customers to a brothel in Mexico in the late 70s, early 80s, and picked out that haircut. That from is incredible. That pic- those pictures. Huh. So, well, Daniel, who do you have for your second spot? My number two is who I think is, he is both real and he is a douche, and his name is Billy fucking Mitchell. Yes. Billy Mitchell, King of Kong. Before you say anything, we allowed documentaries to be included simply because Because we wanted Billy Mitchell to make the list. Agreed. Billy Mitchell is... All right, to, to those who don't know, Billy Mitchell is a professional video game player. He was the best of the best for a long time. He's the only person to ever play a perfect game of Pac-Man. He held what was considered the crown jewel of video game records and it was the donkey kong high score now you will not hurt my feelings if you pause this show right now and go watch king of kongs because it's the best fucking documentary ever of watching how people the neuroticism that involves into video games but so he's going up against this guy steve weeb who's a family guy from washington billy mitchell owns a chicken shack he has his own hot sauce he wears american flag ties but with the a way, burgundy shirt yeah bur- the burgundy but he disregards trophy fake tits. yeah trophy yeah. wife fake tits he disregards everyone that is not him and it's the more that he has this group of lackey oh the lackeys. video game players my that 
idolize him. There's going to be a there's going to be a, a, a uh, kill, kill screen, screen show coming, coming up. There's going to be a kill screen coming up. If you hey see Pat, it. hey Pat, if you can stop that game of Mappy, we uh, have a kill screen coming up. <laughs> if you want to find a stopping spot on Mappy, but yeah, so the whole movie is Steve Weeb trying to beat his records. But it's this guy that with Steve Weeb does it live because he beat the record and it was a video they said you have to do it live well he does it live and beats Billy Mitchell's record but Billy Mitchell gets to send in a tape to rebeat his record and at yeah. the very end this condescending long haired douchebag they finally have the moment you've been waiting on that Steve Weeb and Billy Mitchell are gonna meet because Billy Mitchell's been dodging him the whole time yeah. him and his bullshit trophy wife walk through Steve Weeb goes hey Billy and and all of a sudden like Billy stops for a second stares at him and walks off and when the wife asked him who was that he goes somebody who doesn't matter that's a fucking villain like (laughs) that is an asshole and i've heard that billy mitchell actually is a decent human being and that he really hated the movie because they did a lot of selective editing up to portray him as such a villain but i to this day i can't look at billy mitchell or anything he's done without being like you're a fucking douchebag he still said a lot of terrible things he's like the guy (laughs) who still goes to the skating rink when he's like in his 40s and those guys that like were really into roller skating in the mid 70s yeah and do like the tricks and shit but they yeah. still go into the skating ring and it's like bro it's over like you don't have to keep showing up and showing that you can do a pirouette <laughs> we gotcha now go get your pickle sickle and get out you know get on out of here and go ahead TJ. yeah just to back that up uh, when i was talking earlier about having a great hero with a great villain steve weeby is like such a likable fucking dude exactly. and you're That's pulling what I was for about him to so say. hard yeah. it, it's and his kid, he's a crier and he's, and he's like de- he's chronically depressed i think he's <laughs> lost, gotta he be. lost his job <laughs> donkey kong was literally the only thing keeping this guy going oh, yeah. and, God, but is it he beautiful. he was he's such a you wouldn't think it you know like you look at steve weeb and it's like he isn't that crazy person that's obsessed with something but yeah like it the end of there when he's just like breaking down crying that he you know i was so close like i almost did it and where does he get he gets nothing and billy mitchell sits at the house on that cordless phone though another great moment of showing you're a douchebag when they show the video of him winning and he answers the phone world record holder here uh, to when they confirm that he's yeah. done like you fucking shithead in your uh, nice house steve weeby can't even pay the fucking mortgage in your ass with your stupid hot sauce and your stupid chicken wings for in fort lauderdale yeah, yes. in, in sunny fort lauderdale florida so there you go billy mitchell fantastic choice <laughs> great choice I, tj all right uh my number two is we, we've already gotten into an argument about this um it's darth vader uh, you, we cannot. Here we go. Here we go. We cannot we go. have this fucking list. Three minutes, no yeah. hits below the belt. Um, we cannot have this fucking list without Darth Vader being on it. And now the the here's why he's easily one of the most iconic villains of all fucking time. He is, you know, the the villain in the biggest movie franchise of all time. There, you know, from our dads to us to our nieces and nephews and kids, we all know who Darth Vader is. And there's absolutely, it would be an injustice to not have Darth Vader on this list. Definitely. Darth Vader is a weapon. He is not a villain. Darth Vader, you might as well just throw fucking Boba Fett on there while you're at it. They're weapons. The villain. I haven't got to my number one yet. I will oh say, Darth if you put <laughs> if you put Boba Fett at number one, I swear to God, I'll fight you right here. Here's, here's the thing about Darth Vader. Darth Vader in Star Wars: A New Hope is yes. a great villain. Yes. But as the series progresses, let's just when, include the first three. I do not include. No, I'm just saying. I'm just including Star Wars: A New Hope can stand alone by itself. Yes. it's a science fiction movie. It's great. Sure. You know, start, start, middle, and end. Darth Vader as a villain in that is great. Fuck yeah. But then when they start diving into the character and it's starting to quickly be about his redemption. Yeah, and yeah. you learn the backstory. That's when the villain aspect starts decaying on Vader, and then you see well, he is working for someone else. And look, look at it at the end of when he unveils that he's Luke's father. Basically, what he's Not telling the end, him is the well, the, the in the middle of there at the end of Empire. If you'll let me get my words out, <laughs> are you tell? Are you? <laughs> yeah, oh my it's God. my part of the time to talk. All right, here we go. So when he's over there telling him like come on let's let's take we can rule this our own time there what he's basically saying is like look i'm not the bad guy i'm just the fucking hand i am the hand of the king the emperor like we can take that asshole out me and you we'll take the asshole out because he's the real evil well he's i'm not the evil with aspirations yeah but it's not that even because he's not a villain what the fuck are you talking about he's not a villain <laughs> he's just a tragic character caught up in some bullshit he just wanted to fuck a queen Jesus he just wanted Christ. to fuck a queen 
and he got tempted and then no. like they spend two fucking movies going over how the temptations are that he doesn't really believe in this stuff like i said he's like a guy who went to church for a long time and then one day he said you know what i don't quite go with everything that was being said there if this panel is swayed by this bullshit uh that i, I I'm, I'm just what this bullshit this, this hot fire i'm spitting at you right that, now all right brian what well, were you oh i was just thinking villainy is so strange because it's also you know the more we learn about a villain you know it, it loses the power right and i think that that's the fault of vader is the fact that you know we learn too much about him right um and you know because as he exists i mean there's my great example is one of my favorite horror films have you guys seen the descent yes yeah. okay so the descent you know they go down into the the thing and there are people who are killing them uh and for a while you have no idea what this thing is but then at the end you kind of figure out okay what has happened and you know it, the horror is is not knowing um and i think you know of, as we learn i mean partly in terms of like you know, the prequels and whatnot the more we learn about vader he is he does become a sympathetic character but at the same time i mean i don't know if that necessarily disqualifies someone from villainy from being sympathetic yeah uh, yeah there's a the the prequels really kind of ruined Darth Vader in a lot of ways, uh, just because uh, what's that fuck Christian Haydenson or whatever that guy's name is? Just uh, he, he's one well, of the, the fact worst. we saw Vader as a kid in the first one. that, that was horrible. That and the first time Vader pops up chronologically in the story, he what about Padme? It's just like <laughs> she didn't make it. No, like that is one no. of the see, worst. and that's what drove him. He's like, you're telling me my bottom's dead. Uh, Hope, like really emperor and what's the emperor telling him like don't worry about but that but I'm talking You'll about the Vader fine. from the original trilogy the, the motherfucker that's like you assholes can't handle this shit I'm gonna hop on my own TIE fighter and just take care of this like I said and he's borderline Vader. incompetent let's just even go with that there he's pretty damn incompetent <laughs> Vader he from let the a first, bunch of teenagers whoop his ass Vader from the first one I, yeah I, he's fantastic villain in the first one but I'm sure this debate will be continued once we get try to <laughs> narrow down our final four. So, but let's get to Brian's second choice here. Uh, my second choice, uh, and I, I thought about this, but again, I, I kind of thought of things that I was truly scared by, and that's Hal Nine Thousand from Two Thousand One. This so, was mentioned a couple of times from our Twitter. Oh, really? People as well. Oh, cool. Um, you know, uh, just in, I, I think. It just the film came at such a time where we're just so terrified of technology and what technology can be, um, and this idea of the uncanny valley. Like we we ask these computers to be you know slaves to us to do everything that we want to do, and and the same thing, you know, I, it inspired. I'm sure that film inspired the Terminator. You know, I, I'm sure that it took some of that from it. Um, the ideas of the the rise of the machines, um, and so that that moment where it's horrifying where he, he goes open the you know open the, the yeah. door tell i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that and you're like what <laughs> what is happening um and then just and cold i think it's that coldness that calculatedness that voice um just so incredibly calm um unforgiving uh kind of goes through these algorithms um you know and it's great kind of death scene where it just starts singing uh and I'll, I'll I'll actually agree on a lot of the points on there, and that it came out at such a seminal time of it comes out in what sixty eight or sixty nine. Yeah, I think sixty eight. Around in there, yeah. so you're having the the beginnings of computing really being used outside of mm -hmm. the um, outside of the military. Mm -hmm. So you have the idea that there's technology is starting to come into its right. own, and then you've got a rogue computer. Also, without Hal nine thousand, I never get Gladys from the Portal series. That's fair. Yeah. Also and true. I, for that, that's. I cannot take Hal down. Here's another yeah. good way to look at Hal. It sh can be the crazed lover aspect. That, yes. That d developed a lot of interesting villains and evil people in films of a jilted lover or jilted attraction that right. didn't pan out and cause crazy shit to happen. Exactly. And exactly. plus that just iconic, that this red, that ominous red eye, eye, man. Just and Unwavering. Yeah. And I... I think that's also. I mean, that's what also makes a villain scary. It's just the unwavering and just being uh, very straightforward and that that cold and calculated. And I was I was a kid who, you know, uh, I I saw that. You know, I think I I saw that at a great time as well. I think I saw it during probably 1995. So I would have been, you know, 13, and I had my Dell Pentium 100 computer, um, and I like heard about the horrors of the internet and kind of that beginning of that. <laughs> Um, and so that like double scared me and I remember having like nightmares about you know my modem all of a sudden just like telling me that I've been <laughs> I renamed know. my 
you know where you can name your hard drive and yeah. like windows i would name it hal 9000 yeah. my current background on my laptop is hal yeah yeah and it's just it's so iconic in terms of just computer you can name you know one type of computer and i, I love the fact that it's called hal um and if it's IB also it's IBM just one letter removed which I think is great so it's I H you know, oh that's yeah. I yeah. never knew that yeah that's awesome yeah uh, and he claims that's not what he did but sure know, sure it's, Stanley it's yeah, sure sure Stanley. sure buddy um, all right yeah so that's our second selections for each person I had Anton Shigor he showed up again Daniel had Billy Mitchell TJ had Darth Vader Brian with Hal nine thousand another good round of uh, selections there going right into our one spot it's the George Washington spots the one that lead everything off um, mine is one from a film from the nineteen seventies again another example of evil but evil in a pure and controlled fashion this character was not emotional she was ice cold and wields an iron fist with a refusal to let go of the power she has and that's nurse ratchet on um off of one who flew one who one flew over the cuckoo's nest figured out um the fact that she wears white throughout the film which is always a color of good contrasts with how evil a character this woman is she has power over these people in a mental institution and you te- you can tell she gets off of on it but She's just calm and relaxed and collected, and but she also reminds them that she basically holds their lives in their hands. Yeah, there, there's that scene of uh, of when uh, I forget the the character plays Worm Tongue in uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, forget the actor's name. Um, and the voice of Chucky. Anyway, when when that kid just gets laid for the first time, and it's oh, like yeah. this really awesome Billy? scene. Yeah, yeah. it's like this great scene of like fuck yeah, this is you know they've you know stolen the keys and it's like this awesome yeah. like human moment and then she comes in and it just like ruins it and it's like all right you're you're all and like his reaction to her you can tell like the power she holds over him well he, calls, he, he freaks she out she causes him to commit suicide yeah, yeah exactly i think we're undervaluing that she has a very stressful job she runs a loony bin <laughs> well, i mean do we just let the inmates do whatever the hell they want they'll be shitting in their hands and throwing it at the walls <laughs> like these are crazy people she's in charge of it it's a lot her calculatedness they broke rules they broke rules <laughs> did they not when they go get the kid laid they break some rules was jack little running off on the side Sure. Rules but. have have consequences well, when you break them. <laughs> well, you're you also can't just let you couldn't let the inmates run around. She's got to give them medicine and make sure they don't cut themselves. Well, like, again, a, again, Nurse job. Ratched can be looked at as a representation of the political situation of the times of that controlling kind of Nixon type right. aspect be, be, and with Nicholson representing the counterculture. Right, because yeah. it would have been really great if it would have been incense and peppermints for everything, but eventually someone's got to go to fucking work. And you can't go in a society where you trade songs for sandwiches. Like, well, I this is going to work. I agree and with that. Like, she's yeah. got to do... Eventually, someone's got to say, like, and I hey, do buddy. like the, I do like a Patton Oswalt reference when you drop yeah. one, but she just... The way she plays it is just you hate rules after that point. Yeah. You hate order when you see nurse ratchet you're like wow what is up this woman's ass i know she's working in a mental institution but right. come on yeah she's a little the fact she's, she's getting off on on this power trip basically and the fact that at the end of the film when mcmurphy chokes her oh man you just yeah. want her to he takes away her power takes, in the yeah. end because she can't talk anymore mm-hmm. and her power is reduced and that way, even though McMurphy ends up getting Mercy killed, spoiler alert if you haven't seen a 30, 40 year old film. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry for spoiling. Yeah. Even though he is Mercy killed, he ends up beating her in the mm-hmm. end. So, again, that's why she's well, on my list. As in, number one. in my job, I answer the phones after hours for a couple of mental health facilities. I've seen what those after hours therapists and nurses have to go through. Sometimes you need an iron fist to get them to listen to your logics because they're crazy people. They're crazy. Like there's a reason why they're on no medication. They're, they're crazy. Yeah. No. I think she's a tragic hero in the whole thing. Like she's just trying to keep the movie band together. Jack Nicholson shouldn't even fucking be there. He's a criminal. Well, well there you go. There you go. That's another he's thing. He shouldn't have been there because he's not he supposed to be there. there. Yeah. Are all right, we all a little Daniel, crazy inside? My number one um, is uh, Colonel 
Hans Landa yeah, from should. the movie Inglorious Bastards. Mm, he That's showed up. Stuff. He showed up a lot <laughs> in uh, Twitter suggestions as he well. He was the first movie villain that I've seen in a very long time that made me truly uncomfortable every time I saw him on screen. Every time he's there, because I know he's smarter than every person that's in the yeah. heroes group. He's so calculated, and that he doesn't even believe in the Nazis. It isn't about being a Nazi to him. It's about successfully doing his job. Mm -hmm. He only cares. He's calling the Jew killer, and he only cares about killing the Jews because that's his job, and he wants to be the best at his job. There is no, like, I do it for, you know, the Third Reich and the glory of Hitler and, mm -hmm. you know, Germany. He don't give a shit. Like, that, all that's secondary to solving a case and figuring it out. The scene when they're in the... Um, the restaurant and he's sitting there with this little strudel and every time like you think and you know he knows who the, sh the fuck she is yeah. but he just plays with her like a damn cat with a mouse of just letting her just give me some more information a little bit more information a little more information and such it's so well played that opening like i know a lot of people got turned off to that movie um because of the opening of the 20 minutes in French and oh, it's so good yeah it's such great there and my my father for one of them he watched me was like I it it took so long I just it took me out of the movie and I guess you got to be of a certain kind of ilk my dad is not the kind of person that'll sure. sit I don't watch minutes. movies to read yeah that's really that's kind of my dad's <laughs> well, damn there. words on screen boy <laughs> you should have seen my dad when um when the widescreen letterbox became prevalent it he would go through and change aspects of movies on his TV oh, yeah. where he missed amazing. everything and be blown up because he's like I paid I'm seeing less I paid three dollars to rent this movie son of a bitch i got this big tv i want the whole tv I want it all all of it be on my screen none but, of this black but you're things. seeing every nah it's fill, yeah. fill the screen David. i'm not seeing yeah. everything now I, look at these black boxes yeah. cutting out the top the bottom <laughs> no, what about it we go on a tangible quick there of or how use we've got how used to um letterboxes i've got at this point now that it used to be a big deal to oh it was a big deal for me too and now i only notice it when it's not in letter well, we, like we, if it's not i'm like whoa whoa what's this uh fit to screen bullshit like who wants that well we well, all got better tvs yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's true. laughs> they're not, they're not yeah. pure like rectangles yeah. anymore but, they're but yeah but anyway hans going is, back yeah, to hans. hans is it, everything about him even to his tragic end of it that he'll he's willing to sell out the entire third reich for his pension his house <laughs> in nantucket and the rest of his life to be just simple and i i, I can't i can't argue that's with a, him that's a very he's, good choice he's the scariest villain i've ever seen that's all right tj choice. what have you got my number one is another hans but not Hans. <laughs> Hans. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. Hans Gruber from yeah. fucking Die Hard. Yeah. Alan Rickman in probably one of the best roles of his career. And probably my favorite fucking movie of all time. Die Hard is movie. perfect. And because of that villain, that movie is perfect. Yep. There, the scene when uh, Hans goes to go look for McLean up in the rooftop or whatever and and then you know mclean finds him and he all of a sudden switches on his uh his american accent that's such an awesome scene um th there's give me so back to my detonators <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you know he, he, he another great thing about him is like you know he he says it's about releasing all these other terrorists and stuff or all these political <laughs> prisoners and it's just about the money for him and, <laughs> and, and that is amazing when he admits yeah, yeah exactly flat out and not only that but he became die hard, that movie became the prototype for action films and that villain became the prototype for every other like international terrorist that from the late 80s on and um you can't find a more perfect fucking movie you know tj i've fought you a lot on these tonight but uh, that well done i can't find a flaw <laughs> yeah, in it what's in the box what's in the box come on what's in the box i can't argue with yeah, hans at all uh, hans, 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 so hans was almost um, hans almost made my list i mean did it not set back uh u.s swiss relations for a long time after <laughs> that as i can't trust them uh, I, that's, I, why I, that's why I, I can't trust roger federer is because yeah because he's, he's, he's probably a hans uh, everyone hans. knows that oh. yeah and it's yeah like i said rickman at his best he's a, a treasure and uh that that role is is absolutely perfect I'm going to tell you a quick diehard story. Let's go. Um, so uh, I, we recently had, I've been talking about prom stories because we had our English department prom the other day. Um, so uh, I went prom. I picked up Chiston Torkelson was my prom date uh, my junior year. She was Norwegian. Um, and so I, I went. known that by the yeah, name. Yeah, sock. So I went and uh, I picked her up. And um, her dad was like six foot seven, you know, giant Norse man. Um, and his friend was there and his friend was an actor. And his friend was um, 
the number two bad guy. The the oh the blonde. The blonde. Nice. Oh wow. So Carl, I believe. Carl, I think his name was. So imagine picking up your prom date when you're you know a junior in high school. And you step in, and it's Carl from if the I'm, If I'm shit. him, every time that happens, I'm running out bloody yeah. with a gun. I like, know. no! What, no bullets? Huh? That is amazing. Yeah. All right, Brian, so, who's your four spot? Because we're getting Sure, close to the well, end. that's it's close to the end. It's really easy. I also pick Nurse Ratchet. Excellent. Um, and solely because there's something so scary about being having your entire life dictated by someone and I think you know of course he's there in the mental institution but like it is her world um, and what's fascinating of course is you know I, it's funny she's doing her job and there's kind of a funny moment where you perceive like all this mischief happens after her shift is over right she like goes home and like you know makes dinner or something along those lines but just the calmness um, of her voice and just that patronizing um, kind of the way that she would turn every single phrase on their head to make them more, not there to help people, but to make them even more insane. So I don't think she was in there to help people. Um, I don't even, I think she was just a personification of evil um, in that regard. Uh, and yeah, of course, and when she gets her comeuppings, that's like w- one of the greatest moments. And it's incredibly violent and gross, but at the same time. Really awesome it's, and rewarding. Yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, and actually, I read uh, something where the actress apparently can't watch the film. Wow. She can't watch herself in the film. She's from that, Alabama as I well. Think so. Birmingham, maybe. I think so. Uh, but yeah. excellent choice, excellent choice. Um, yeah, great number ones. Everyone. Let's go ahead quickly around the room before we get to the final discussion. Just name off one honorable mention for each uh, person that maybe not made the list. Just quick spitballing this. Mine was Freddy Krueger. I think he's one of the better horror films. He's a fucking child molester and murderer. So he before he got caught... Um, he got became a comedic character he was a kind of a horrible some bitch so uh mine and actually this one comes from ally um it's pinhead and it's pinhead in the sense that ally loves horror movies pinhead scares her and her reasoning behind it and i was like well pinhead's stupid i don't get it her reasoning is great is that with every other movie monster there's a check to the balance don't go to sleep freddie won't get you don't go to crystal lake jason won't get you don't be a babysitter in that neighborhood Mm -hmm. and mike won't you you can't control that someone may take. I had to write it down. The limerchard box that brings yeah. Pinhead out. She, her thing was like, "How do I not know that some douchebag in my dorm bought that box and is about to unleash Pinhead?" Like I have to <laughs> account. You can't account for everyone in the world not to play with the box and unleash Pinhead. So Pinhead can come anywhere. There's no way to protect yourself against Pinhead. That's terrifying. All right, TJ. Um, let's see. I. I I was going to mention Scar for mine, but uh, since it was already mentioned earlier, I was going to say Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. That's another movie that I think is just a perfect film, and it's another iconic role that you you just once you've seen that movie, you just can't forget it. And it's yeah, just but quote is he a, the villain of the movie? I mean, I've bu- had I've heard this discussion. Yeah, quite I mean, a bit. Buffalo Bill could and Buffalo Bill has some of my favorite lines. Of, Do you want one, to fuck me? I want to fuck me. That I also uh, the my favorite though is when uh, she. she uh, Scar, what's what's the Jodie Foster's character goes to the um, uh, lieutenant or the uh, Scarling or whatever Scarling whatever. You're talking about when the guy throws the cum in her face. That is great. Yeah, um, that's a really great moment <laughs> in life. Um, no, when uh, when she goes to Buffalo Bill's place and she's talking about the girl and it's like, oh, is he a real big fat? Was she a great big fat person? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, All right. That's anyway, bad. yeah, that uh, sounds the lambs. Uh, Hannibal Lecter easily. I think you All changed right, Brian, it to Buffalo Bill halfway through. Yeah. I had. Uh, I mean, I. Had, Hans Gruber was my, my honorable mention, but I will also throw in uh, Jason Voorhees just because uh, he just he just kept coming. It didn't matter how slow he was. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. Phrasing, phrasing. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, well, eventually you're going to trip on a tree root. Eventually, and he's going to catch you. He don't give a shit. And he, you know. Machete you, to the head. Machete to the head. Or just that. snatch up the sleeping bag and, you know, bust yeah. you up against the tree, which is one of the most brutal and oh. awesome death scenes I've ever seen. And if they're not over the top, like his death scenes are usually not that wild, but they're just, they're brutal. Yeah. And it's scary. And, you know, the hockey mask, of course. All right. Um, so, yeah. We're going to have to wrap this discussion up for our Mount Rushmore movie villains. Um,. I will say that right now we have two votes apiece for Anton Chigurh and Nurse Ratched. So, willing to say they're getting on the list. Yeah, we'll see. We might argue. I, yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. I'm just anticipating the okay. Emperor Palpatine Darth Vader yeah, discussion yeah, yeah. being a hell of a one. So, either 
have a really good reason or throw both of them out. I'm not throwing either one of them out right now, um, but I am throwing in that I think you're all slipping, sleeping on Hans Landa and Billy fucking Mitchell. Mm. Hey, I'm good. I'm good for all our ones being yeah. this list. Uh, we have that's Nurse, Nurse Ratched, Colonel Hans Landa, and then Hans Gruber and Hans, Hans Gruber, Gruber and Billy Mitchell. Was that your number one? No, my no, number Billy, one was Han. Well, we had two Nurse Ratchets at one. Oh, okay, yeah. Daniel's number one was Colonel uh, Londa, and um, Billy Mitchell was a number two. I'm 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 going to forego uh, because of all the debate with Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. I really think the T1000 was one of the best villains that <laughs> we uh, open up. The, that. the first Terminator. Terminator is better than the T one thousand. Are you no Terminator two is a much more is a much better film than term, the original Terminator. You Don't. got a flake on your head. Go ahead. Go but ahead. no, it's but it look at in the first one, if you're gonna go with a Terminator, in the first Terminator it's man versus machine. And this yeah. one it's machine versus yeah, liquid I, machine. I think I think Arnold in Terminator one is a far more evil character because I mean he walks into the police station and kills what eighteen that is a great police scene. officers. Yeah. He don't gives no fucks. Yeah, that club, so, that shitty club. He has scene. a neural net processor, um, a learning computer. I mean, Car- uh, Anton, computer. Anton Chigurh is still on the board as well. So we have Ratchet, Launder, Gruber, and one more spot. I think I, I, I want to say that last spot should be reserved for one of the like the cold, calculated, does not give a fuck characters, like Billy Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few colder and don't give no fucks. I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to lean that way, but if someone has a better suggestion, I if if we're so we're saying so far we got Ratchet is definitely on Ratchet Hans Lander and Hans Gruber. Okay, I, and I have no problem with Hans Lander. I, he was going to yeah, be on mine I, as well, um, but just because yeah, he uh, uh, Christopher Guest or well, not Christopher Guest, Christoph but, uh, Waltz. Yeah, Christopher Waltz. Waltz. I wish it was Christopher Guest. <laughs> <laughs> Different film. Yeah, totally. Um. But yeah, if, Gr- if Gruber was the main one I wanted to get on here, so, so that, he, if, I believe if, he's there. There's enough other people that mention him that he warned. Yeah, I have no spot. problem with Gruber there and Londa and Ratchet, and then and we um, other had we had other mentions for Billy Mitchell from the Twitterverse as well. So. I say I say Billy Mitchell. Billy I say fucking po- Mitchell. I say Billy Mitchell is up there. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes reality produces the best in villains. Mm, sorry. And so, I win the game again. Oh, so boy. our final <laughs> list: the Mount Rushmore of villains. Check these four out if you haven't seen them. Nurse Ratched, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards. Hans Gruber in Die Hard. And Billy Mitchell in The King of Kong. That is our show for this week. I want to thank our panel again: Daniel, TJ, and Brian. Uh, it was a fantastic show. We this want to thank fun. you for listening uh, to this I'm podcast and all the podcasts on the Well That's Cool podcast network. Until next time and the next Mount Rushmore, David A. Smith Boo. signing off. All I do is win. I do not like that I list. I win. I do not like that oh, list. Oh, Billy Mitchell! Boo.